0: Mystery Minnesota is an original fiction podcast from Adventures in Creativity Productions. Call it an anthology of strange stories, mysteries of a punishing land, and the people that call it home. And these stories impacted one man's life in a way he never anticipated. Believe them, or don't. But remember, these stories are told in order, so make sure and start at the beginning. Don't worry, we'll be here whenever you catch up. Welcome to Mystery Minnesota being in the moment with someone as they share such a personal painful story of their life with you well i guess you can't help but feel the weight of it settling in i mean think about what's really happening in that moment it's not just make-believe not just another tall tale being told over some beers on a friday night this isn't the same as boasting about the huge walleyes you were catching last summer up on rainy lake or That buck you shot 15 years ago that started out as a 165 pound basket rack six point and over the years has now grown to a huge six that tipped the scales at nearly 250 pounds. No, those kinds of stories are pretty common, but the type of story that Roger was sharing with me and that I'm now sharing with you, well, that's something entirely different. It's a person ripping themselves open exposing their innermost pain and their darkest demons, and then welcoming you in to feel that pain. You know, maybe it's not even that they welcomed you in. Maybe it's more that the pain and darkness has been buried so deep and for so long that when they finally dredge it up and share it, it lashes out and drags you down to the depths of anguish to keep it company. They say misery loves company, Is the same true of the pain and darkness inside of us? Roger sat there, staring out into the darkness as he contemplated that long, frustrating week he spent grounded after the deer. I could see he needed a break. Hell, I needed a break. I knew the worst of his story was yet to come and, to be honest, I wasn't sure I was ready to feel that pain. And if I wasn't sure I was ready to hear it, well, let's just say I thought it best to give Roger a little time. Outside in the dark, the winter winds howled, drifting snow piling into beautiful natural art. Like the great sand dunes I saw as a kid in the National Geographic, except cold. The cold certainly kept most from noticing because we're in a rush to get warm, but those temporary sculpture displays that Mother Nature was sharing with us had a beauty all their own and I always stopped to look even if it meant looking just before destroying it as I pushed that icy sculpture off my car so I could start it and let it warm up before making the drive home for the night. Before leaving, I told Roger I'd swing by again sometime in the next few days, depending on how much snow we got overnight and how the weather held up. So, got in the car and headed home. That drive was a long, quiet one. I didn't even turn the radio on as I drove. All there was was the wind and blowing snow, so I took it slow on the highway. Nothing but the crunch of tires on the frozen snow, the steady thrum of the heater on high, attempting to ward off the frigid air and those dark, painful thoughts keeping me company. You know, when my brother and I were, oh, I suppose late teens it would have been, we had taken a weekend trip up the North Shore. See, there was this little spot we had heard about where you could pull off on the side of the road, hike along this tiny little trail until you came to the river. It was incredible, really. You come out of the claustrophobic canopy of green from the summer forest. It it was just thick and threatened to suffocate you, and suddenly there in front of you, the river opened up like a giant oasis. Right there, right in front of you. Now, as you stepped to the edge of that clearing, in front of you, the river cascaded down a waterfall with about a 30 foot drop before it ended in a large pool, just mere steps in front of you as you cleared the woods. Now, if you follow the trail, it would bring you up on top of the waterfall where you could sit at the edge and let the water pull you over and down into the deep pool below. I know, probably not the smartest thing, but enough people had been doing it for enough years that we were relatively certain it was safe of any rock outcroppings or anything that could cause us any real problems. I've got to tell you, it's it's really something. Feeling yourself be pulled over the edge, falling, but unable to see a thing because you're essentially underwater the whole time as you're pulled down by this waterfall. And then suddenly, wham, you hit the pool below and the force of that waterfall pushes you deep under the surface. That's when the panic sets in. And that's when you swim. You swim with all you've got to get out from under that falling water as it drives you down deeper and deeper into that pool. All you can think of is getting up to the surface and to the air. Now, as exhilarating as that was, things got even wilder when you would scale back up the trail to the edge of the waterfall, but instead of sitting down and falling over the falls, you could carefully cross the river where a giant cliff face loomed over the waterfall and that deep pool below. You know, thinking about it now, I, I don't really remember if this spot had a specific name we like to call it the devil's kettle but i don't think that was the real name anyways that taller cliff it was a full 75 foot drop to the pool below the type of distance that requires you to wear some sort of shoes in order to jump because after falling 75 feet when your bare feet hit the water well that slap did a little more than sting Now this was not a cliff made for actual diving, this was a feet first only operation. You did not want to risk a belly flop here and if you think about it, a head first dive, if not perfect, could result in a broken neck from the force of the impact and not to mention the instant pain in your face as it became the first thing to make contact with water. Water that at that height feels like concrete when you hit it. But. It was the kind of thing a couple teenage, adrenaline-seeking boys loved. So, we spent the weekend swimming and jumping, laughing and enjoying the fun until it wasn't fun anymore. You see, as always happens, my brother had gotten a bit too cocky after we had both jumped the cliffs and waterfalls for a full day and a half. So, he decided to jump the big cliff face while doing a spinning cannonball. I don't know what he was thinking. I had just jumped and was just swimming back to the trail and climbing out of the river when I turned to watch him leap off the cliff and begin spinning. My heart sank. I'll never forget the sound of the flesh of his back hitting that water. Such a sick slap that I could have sworn the sound of something tearing happened at the same time. I'll also never forget the panic I felt as he didn't pop right back up to the surface. I didn't wait, I dove into the river, swimming in a panic towards where I'd seen him hit the water. My mind raced, anger at his stupidity, terror at the thought he'd just killed himself for a stupid stunt. Filled with the terribly deep sadness that I might have just lost my little brother. And as I neared the spot, his head finally broke the surface, and he took in a huge gulp of air. I was relieved. Until the screaming started. When we got him out of the water, his back looked like he had the worst sunburn you can imagine. To the point it should have been blistering had it actually been sunburned. But this was basically large area, blunt force trauma. Needless to say, that was the last of the cliff jumping for the weekend, and while we soon laughed it all off as just another wild story of our teens, I carried that anger and fear at the thought of losing him ever since, even if I didn't really know it. Then of course, when we were older, there was that time I mentioned before. When he had stolen my car and headed out with friends to go on a booze cruise all over the back roads of the Northland. That cruise that had ended with my car wrapped around a tree. Some recovery time for him and loss of driving privileges for a while. And really a whole lot of suppressed anger from me. Like I said, angry not just at him stealing my car, not just at him destroying it in stupidity after making the incredibly dumb choice to drink and drive but anger and fear at the thought that I almost lost him once again, all for some stupid stunt. I don't know why he insists on pulling these stunts, but he's done it our whole lives. But there in the car, the heat blasting, tires crunching on the snow as my car slowly wound along the old dirt roads leading from Roger's place to my house, The pain of his story rebounding relentlessly through my head. Well, I thought of that summer with my brother. Thought of the pain I had felt at almost losing him. And then I realized just how horrible and how painful telling me his story had to be for Roger. That man had a set of stones on him, let me tell you. I don't think I could have told anyone about it. I think ripping those scabs away would have been just too much to bear. It's kind of funny, isn't it? The way that our minds do things to fill in the blanks for us. Letting us remember or forget whatever we need to so that our daily operation stays as smooth and simple as possible. You know, i bet i hadn't thought of that cliff jumping incident up the north shore that summer in nearly 20 years i rarely thought of the car accident incident like i mentioned though that did pop up a little here and there because it was more recent than the cliff jumping but still my brain had buried those memories paved over them to keep it from becoming a major pothole for me to get stuck in i guess in many ways it's a blessing sometimes Losing a brother, especially in a tragic situation, is, well, there are no words. I, I, I can't imagine what Roger went through. And here was Roger now, basically tearing all of that long paved over memory, ripping open the scars and scabs just to tell me about Jimmy. All because I was curious about my search for Mystery Minnesota. Maybe my brother was right, I should have just let all of this go, but like I said before, it was, it was too late, and I think I knew that. I wasn't in control of this chase anymore, and nothing I could do could stop it. I guess you could say that train was rolling, and there was no way to stop it from hitting the end of those tracks and wrecking in glorious fashion. I think about what Roger was going through and how painful ripping open those scars had to be uh, about how painful this extremely difficult part of his life that no doubt was a major pothole that threatened to consume him every day how difficult that had to be to navigate every day of his life and then to simply just rip it open on a whim. Honestly, I didn't know if I should feel honored that he chose to share all this with me or horrified at the darkness and pain that I could feel wrapping its slimy, clawed tendrils around me as his story unfolded. Worse, as tragic as all this was, as far as I could see, his story seemed to have nothing to do with helping me find Mystery Minnesota. I I mean, sure, it was a mystery what this creature was and what happened, and I remember thinking in that moment there at his table that I hoped I'd find out what this creature was because at least that might give me a little more insight into my search. Man, that's a sick way of thinking. But you get lost in the chase and can't help yourself. I turned that thought over and over in my mind. What did Roger Pitsy's story have to do with Mystery Minnesota? Why did Ben tell me to come talk to him? There had to be some sort of connection, though I suppose... (sighs) I suppose looking back, it's no wonder my brother teased and tormented me relentlessly about it after I told him what I knew so far of Roger's story. On the drive home when I was almost back to town, I had picked him up for a quick burger and beer dinner at the Thirsty Rock just, just outside of town. The Thirsty Rock was a typical small town bar and restaurant. Limited seating, strong drinks, good burgers and that dim, cozy atmosphere that was perfect to disappear in for a while. The perfect place to see what he thought of all of this. I was hoping, I don't know, I guess I was hoping maybe he'd see some connection in it that I was missing. Instead, he listened to everything I had to say, and after a long pause, as he took a big pull of his beer, he looked me dead in the eye, opened his mouth, and belched a stinky bacon cheeseburger beer blast right in my face before laughing for a solid five minutes. I guess I deserved it. Sure, he believed me about Roger's pain and sadness at the loss of his brother. He didn't doubt it was difficult to talk about but he also made it clear that if i thought there was any connection to this stupid mystery minnesota and this what this disappearing monster that killed little jimmy pitsey hell if i thought there was any such thing as a disappearing monster at all well then maybe i needed to how did he put it Uh, get myself a room at the fifth floor resort over on hospital street Maybe he was right, maybe this was all just another trick of the mind that has allowed Roger to heal and move on with his life. Maybe there was no monster at all, I guess I need to hear the rest of Roger's story first. But Dropping my more than a little drunk brother off at his place, I drove the last few miles home lost in thought once again. so lost in thought actually that it took me a while to recognize the slight smell of peppermint that seemed to be drifting on and off through the heater vents of my car mystery minnesota is an adventures in creativity production written produced and performed by david Swiduck. You can find out more about the show and all of the others at AICpod.com. If you're enjoying what you hear, be sure to reach out to us on social media by following at AICstories on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or of course, you can email us via the contact form on the site. If you want to support the show and help more people discover and uncover the mysteries we're exploring, you can leave us a review or, most importantly, share Mystery Minnesota with your friends. Look, no matter where you hang out, be it Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or Instagram, word of mouth is still the best thing you can do to help support life here in Mystery Minnesota. So don't be shy, let people know what's up. Of course, we'd love it if you checked out all of the other storytelling fun happening with Adventures and Creativity Productions as well. So while you're at AICpod.com, Go ahead and explore all of the other content right there. You can get all of the great projects like Faded Words and Adventures in Creativity in one convenient place by subscribing to AIC Stories in the podcast app of your choice. Really is the best way to keep up with everything we have coming up for you on Adventures in Creativity Productions. But if you only want to follow the story of Mystery Minnesota, you can find us under Mystery Minnesota in your podcatcher or at anchor.fm slash Mystery Minnesota. So get yourself all caught up and stick with us because there's more to the story here in Mystery Minnesota.